So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. guys and welcome to the first ever episode of the Running Rugby podcast. My name's Archie and I'm joined here with both my brothers here today. Uh, over in London we've got Toby. How are you going? Hey mate, I'm good. How are you? Not too bad mate. And also still in Australia with us, Leo. How are you going mate? I'm great. It is warm and sunny. I love it. Unlike London where I'm sure it is early and dark. Is that right? Mate, it's... Yeah, it's not great at the moment. It's probably about four degrees. Um, overcast every day. Had some snow last week and, you know. Well, as we said, this is the Running Rugby podcast and let's talk about why we decided we wanted to put this thing together. I mean, we're three brothers that have always followed the game. We've all played the game throughout high school, you know. And then we entered the professional world and had to give that up. But we've never given up watching, whether whether that be going to Waratah's games, going to Wallaby's games. And we like to think we know a little bit about the sport and we see some of the things that have gone wrong with Australian rugby, some of the reasons we're falling behind and not getting up to that number one spot like we used to. And looking at some of the ways we could do it better, the ways we could run rugby better. What do you think, Toby? Is is that the reason you wanted to do this? Mate, look, I think we're fans of running rugby. We we think we know how we can fix and run rugby better. I'm not necessarily sure that's true, but, you know, we're going to try and show that we know what we're talking about. So, you know, we'll take it slow and we'll, we'll build up throughout the season, but, you know, I'm optimistic we can we can do pretty well there. Hmm. So I think we, we want to talk about Super Rugby. Obviously, that's a big... Things starting off this year, that's what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. I'm sure we all get excited for our teams at the start of each season and then slowly, you know, descend into heartbreak as soon as we start playing some New Zealand teams. Uh, so we'll try and try and put it this out, give a few previews of the best Australian conference games. Um, but there's been a bit of change to Super Rugby this year, hasn't there? Leo, do you know about that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's different to last year, which was different to previous years in the last decade, but I think we've had about four or five iterations of of the structure of the competition, which makes it very hard to follow and is very frustrating. Uh, But I think as unfortunate as it was to lose three teams from our comp last year to this year, it's possibly for the best. I guess we'll see. But at least now we're, we're back to Super 15, which always sounded good off the tongue. And... Are they calling we've, it we've Super 15 to consolidate the Australian sides back into four from five and the South African sides from six into four. So, mm. yeah, look, I think it's... I was against this move straight off the bat last year. Um, not so much in terms of the South African teams because we know kind of how they've been performing overall. Um, we've had, you know, flashes of brilliance from them, but losing the Cheetahs and the Kings to the... or well, what's now the Pro 14... I think has been a 
was gonna it's gonna be a benefit to the competition in terms of concentrating their talent in South Africa. And you know, I was against, as I was saying, against the force being cut. Um, I probably felt like the the rebels were in line just because of their age and their history, um, and they haven't really done too much um, since they've come into the competition. But to be honest, having a look on on paper at some of the squads this year, I just think that the rebels, for example, look a lot stronger. They've taken probably half of that force team up, almost. Mm. It's probably going to bolster the depth of, of the rest of the other three teams that remain. So I think ultimately it's going to be beneficial, I think, in the short term. We'll see what happens in the long term. May damage rugby rugby growth in WA, but we'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah, well, you talk about we lost we lost uh, three teams from the competition this year, but in actual fact we really only lost one team, which is the Force. I mean, the Cheaters and the Kings are still alive, as you say, in the Pro 14, whereas Australian rugby's gone to sort of just get rid of our Western, Western Australian contingent and, I don't know, it seems like maybe a bit of a mistake, but uh, we just got to move on from there. So... Leah, I know you know a bit about the structure of the new new competition. How, how's it going to run now? So we're, we're back to the 15 teams, as we've said. We've got three conferences, which pretty much uh, focus on New Zealand as five teams in one conference, Australian four teams, and the Japanese team, the Sunwolves, in the second conference, Australian conference, mm-hmm. and the remaining four South African teams and Argentina, or the Jag- Jag- Jaguars, 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 Jaguars. You got to pretend. Yeah, I'm going to make a lot of those mistakes. You're in that's fine. South American, um, yeah. They're, they're in the SAC, which is the South African Conference. So, yeah, it at least makes sense. We've got three groups of five, or instead of two groups of five and two groups of four, and a horrible structure from last year. Mm. Very difficult to follow. Yeah. This year, unfortunately, we don't have. Um, they still haven't managed to schedule all teams playing each other. So we have uh, any Australian team will play each of its conference members once home, once away, and then play against four out of five from the New Zealand conference and four out of five from SAC. And I guess it's luck of the draw at this stage who who gets what. And I haven't haven't looked into if that's been based on last season's results to try and put the weaker teams against each other, stronger teams against each other. But, no, I don't think it um, is, really. Yeah, 50% sure it of it's conference derbies, so that's that's uh, probably probably going to be an entertaining aspect once we get into it. Yeah, I think it's still unfortunate that all teams aren't having a crack at each other. I mean, you're never probably going to get to a point where each team, you're playing each team home and away. I think that's probably too many matches, and they're probably not looking towards that. But I think eventually... You know, whether we stay at 15 teams or not, it is important, I think, for each team to have the opportunity to play each of the other teams every season, just so you see that. And, I mean, you, you saw that for, for many, many years with how Super Rugby was progressing and, and there was, you know, there wasn't this conference system. Um, I think having those three conferences with five teams is a lot clearer now for the casual fan, Definitely. especially. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah... Look, we'll see how it goes for this year, but it could go back to that just one, you know, 
general I think, conference where everyone plays each other into the I think the future, it's, it's going to sure. be hard to speculate on where it's going to end up. There's been murmurs of changing again next year and they're talking about Sansa agreement ending after 2020 and South Africa may just join Europe and will be just changed back to an Australia-New Zealand-Pacific sort of conference. So I don't think there's point really speculating on what's going to change. We don't know. It's something that's going to keep changing. We're yeah. going to get 10 different sort of theories on what's, what it's going to be in one year, five years, ten years, so... I'll tell you something I'm not a fan of. Yeah, sorry. Week one, sack only. I'm looking at the season draw, and there is two games in week one. We have two games to kick off the season, all South African Conference. Like how, yeah, not... how does that get New Zealand and Australian fans excited for the next season of Super Rugby, particularly when it's been restructured... People just people want to see how it works, and they don't get a game week one. Yeah. That feels like a massive anticlimax to me. So well, it's, it's particularly a problem because of the time zone issue as well. Like you're having two games, but what time are they being played? They're being played on a I think a Sunday morning at yeah. five past midnight on the the first Sunday, and then following that at two fifteen in the morning. Yeah, like, so it's two thirds of your the yeah, whole competition. Fan isn't going to get up for those games. Maybe someone who's really into their rugby. Maybe someone who's in London who is getting to watch them well, yeah. at five past one in the afternoon and quarter past three on a Sunday. I can I can imagine at least one person who's having a having a pint watching those games. <laughs> Mate, I'm, I'm sure that's what they aimed at doing day, that. Probably week to week is going to start at about six thirty in the morning watching the New Zealand games on a Saturday. And then moving through the morning, I'll probably have the Tars around, you know, 8.30 in the morning. Um, and then, yeah, probably the South African games in the afternoon. So I'm not complaining too much. But in terms of where this where this is being primarily marketed to and, and its primary market, I don't think, yeah, like you say, it's not ideal at all. Well, let's move on. I mean, we could talk about the format of Super Rugby for a long time, I feel like, and... I don't know if there's one obvious way to fix it in the moment anyway, but we want to have a bit of a look at the squads for 2018. There's been a bit of a change, a lot more change probably than most other years with these other clubs having to absorb the force pretty much and a lot of their squads coming across. So I think, look, we'll start from the top down, I guess. Why don't we start with Queensland? We'll go through some of the backs and forwards. Toby, I think you've been having a look a bit uh, about the new Queensland makeup in the forwards. Yeah, mate, I'm just pulling it up now in terms of the 2018 squad. Um, Queensland, let's let's start generally. They've been through a pretty tough time of it in the last, say, month or two. Mm. They've um, There's firstly, I guess, the good news of, of Brad Thorne coming in as coach. And I think that was the right move to make. He seems like a guy that really can... Um, I don't know, make a difference to the Reds, and he, he's taken that Queensland country team all the way. So I think, particularly for the Reds forwards, it's going to be massive. Even though he was there last year, he wasn't really in control completely. Um, but in terms of the Reds forwards, we got, I think, let's start with the props. James Slipper's still there at the Reds. He's looking probably for a big year this year after an injury plagued year last year. Um, we've got J.P. Smith that's come up from the Brumbies. You know, he's probably a good, solid addition, maybe not a starter, but off the bench. Um, I'm looking for big things again from Taniela Tupo. I think he's going to go from strength to strength. Being on that end of year tour, 
Um, he's played for the Wallabies now. He's he's got that confidence in himself, and I think if he can, you know, he's known for his running game. But if his set piece can be as solid as they come, and he can just, you know, then play naturally and just organically on the field and just kind of pick up the ball and run where he wants to, I think he's going to be a massive threat. So if we move to hooker, we've lost Stephen Moore, which I think, although it's it's a big loss. I it think was it was time. probably the right time. Yeah, like you, like you say, Leo, it was the right time for him to step away. Um, he came home to Queensland and, and capped off his career there. But, yeah, I think it was it's time for some new blood to come through. Um, Andrew Reddy, I think, has the potential to be a, a wallaby going forward. Do you think he's um, ready to step up? Mate, he's more than ready. He should have been ready to, mate, one or two years ago, I think. And I think he was kind of peaking. To, oh, he wasn't peaking, but he was kind of rising in his form. And then last year, I don't know if he was uninspired or what was going on, but he had a few issues. Was sent back to club rugby, I think, at one point. Um, but yeah, I'm looking for big things from him. And Alex Murphy, I don't I actually know a whole lot about him. I think, Archie, do you know a bit more about him? No, not particularly, actually. Um, yeah. I just know that they pulled up that other younger guy from the New South Wales Country Eagles team. Um, oh, I can't even say his name, probably Brandon Panga Amosa, um, who I know had a strong sort of NRC sort of looking, and it's good to see that he's been rewarded with a Super Rugby contract. I think Andrew Reddy will start, to be honest, there. Yeah, you'd have to think Andrew Reddy's been there. He's the incumbent, really. Um, as long as he's not yeah. on terrible form, he's going to be starting. What about, what about the locks? The locks, they, there's been a bit of change there. And I think, to be honest, the last maybe year or two, they've had a real kind of glut of locks there at the Reds. And you'd think perhaps that's good for depth. It's, it's a good thing. But I think guys just weren't having that those, those opportunities that they needed to have. So you've seen... Rob Simmons head down to the Waratahs, which we'll talk about a bit later. Uh, Caden Neville's headed over to Japan. Um, so at the moment, there's been a couple of additions um, from from the local guys there. But we've got Kane Douglas, Isaac Rodder, and I think Luke Antui are going to be the primary locks there. Um, I'd like to see Kane Douglas regain some of that form that he had leading up to the 2015 World Cup he was just damaging when he was pulling off those hits he had a high work rate and he was fit I think he's just one of the best locks out there um and yeah could be back in the Wallabies if he has a big season Brad Thorne might be the guy to inspire that back in Kane Douglas there's probably some similarities there if you can definitely like Kane Douglas was at his best um, around that 2014-2015 season with Checker at the Waratahs. Um, and, yeah, like you said, I think Brad Thorne has that hardened edge to him. And Kane Douglas can learn a lot from the way that Brad Thorne played and probably be inspired to step it up again. Um, Isaac Rodder and Luke Antui, two great young locks, big boys. Um, mm, we saw uh, a whole lot of potential coming contact, from them. Good ball carriers and... Yeah, I think they're going to be very, very valuable for the Reds. So I think they're pretty short up in their lock department, even though they've lost a couple of, you know, decent-named guys and a Wallaby and Rob Simmons. They're going to be in good shape there. But if we look at the back row... Give me a starting back row for the Reds. Mate, I think... Look, I wouldn't be surprised. I was I was hearing 
through the news a bit that Scott Higginbotham might be in line to, to captain. He has been named captain today, actually. Oh, did he? Okay. Yep. yep. That was that was the case. So, yeah, so he's, he'll be he'll be I'd say at number eight. They're starting. They've lost Hendrik Tui, who's playing a bit of six and eight. Um, they've lost Leroy Houston, who even though he was kind of persuaded by Checker to come over and and I think he was at Bath and he, he was doing so well over there and was brought back to the Reds by Checker primarily with a with the kind of I guess idea of bringing him into the world incentive didn't really happen yeah yeah he he got so, brought back and hardly played maybe got into the squad for the Wallabies and really hardly played Reds even but yeah, yeah I don't know I don't know why that was maybe it was his fitness. I don't know. To be honest, he is a damaging ball carrier, but his all-round game probably just hasn't been there at any point in his career, really. Um, so he's gone back. He's gone to Bordeaux. Um, but we've got, obviously, George Smith after spending, what, three weeks in jail or something in Japan. I'm sure he'll be keen to get out there and prove that he's still got what it takes. it be near 40 now. I'm not sure exactly how old he is. Um but yeah, he'll be at seven. You'd have to think, and then you got Liam Wright as a, a solid back rower there, and Adam Korzik maybe gets the six spot. I'm not too sure. We'll have to see. That six spot might be up for grabs a little bit. So I think the Reds they'll have a decent pack overall. Um, but yeah, there'll probably be some young guys that that'll rise up through, and and hopefully grab those opportunities that are there in, in maybe one of the back row spots and. We'll have to see how that plays out going forward. But, yeah, I think they're going to be decent in the forwards. George yeah. Smith is 38 in July this yeah. year. Same age as Tim Cahill. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it just shows you it's... he's He's been playing, I don't know, it's probably 20 years now. Um, and he's barely skipped a beat, really. Um, he's he's just remarkable to play. stuff. <laughs> yeah, well... Cap fair. <laughs> Anyway, um, I think it'll be really interesting to see what Brad, Brad Thorne brings to that team and whether he can work through some of those young guns he saw in Queensland country. How about the backs, Leo? What do you, what do you see coming in with that? So the backs are an interesting group. We've got a few movements uh, from, from the... Well, a couple of moves from, from the force and from some Queensland country players who Brad Thorne's obviously identified in his time coaching them. So if I was to pick my back line, my starting back line, scrum half is actually, is probably something I'm not certain. I'm familiar with James Tuttle, but I'm not so familiar with the other guys. I I believe James Tuttle's probably the starter now that Nick Frisbee's apparently on loan to Bordeaux, according to our (laughs) reference material here. Yeah, I think James uh, Tuttle was, yeah, James Tuttle was in line to start. Yeah, okay. Uh, fly half is where it gets a bit more interesting for me. So, Quay Cooper has been uh, told by Brad Thorne effectively where we're not really looking at you as a starter. And he's potentially not going to get an opportunity that we might have thought he would just default into. So, John O'Lance has come across from the force, which is an interesting pick up for them because he's a very very solid player, good defence not flashy but very reliable 
uh, which may be more Brad Thorne's style, uh, coming from a from a background with the All Blacks and New Zealand teams where everyone has a job, and you know you have specific people who are going to be a bit more your uh, playmakers. But it's yeah. So it's the fact that he hasn't picked up on Quade Cooper, he's more interested in John Lads, brought him over from the Force, and then someone who I'm pretty interested in is um, Duncan Payal. I believe it is. Uh, he played at 10 for the Wallabies against the Barbarians uh, late last year in 2017. And he's had some pretty good highlights for Queensland country, obviously playing through with them to, to the championship there in the NRC. So interesting contest between John O'Lance and, and Payal. So we'll think... see what comes of that, whether they can fit them both in. They've got Samu Karevi a someone you'd expect to see in the centres. Are they going to put one of those guys in it inside, Samu at outside? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. And then moving through the outside backs, you've got Eto Nabuli and Parisi who are established on the wings. I would imagine that they will hold their position at least to start the season. And then assuming there aren't any uh, issues with Carmichael Hunt returning, if there's... Uh, anything more to come of what's been in the news recently may affect his return for week one or, sorry, week two, as it turns out. Uh, maybe that's a bonus for him in this case. If there's any uncertainty there, they'll have an extra week to, to make their plans and pick their team. John O'Lance, part of the last Queensland Reds team to win the Super Rugby crown as well, and he's come back. He's won a crown at Reds, run a crown at the Waratahs, and now has come back to the Reds. So I'm, I'm keen to see him pull on the maroon again. Charm. Yeah, well, let's let's choose let's choose a player we reckon that's going to be sort of the up and comer, the pick of the bunch that's going to you know bring this team together. I reckon I think John Lance is a great player that's been overlooked for look Wallaby selection a lot. Um, I think he brings a stability and he brings a sort of maturity to a team. And I think Brad Thorne's going to definitely look for him to lead sort of the back line because you've got these fiery young guys. You've got Karevi, you've got Parisi. I reckon he's going to sort of help lead them around the park. Yeah, I think they've also got Ben Lucas, who is going to play a similar role. I don't know. He'll probably be at fullback, I would say, to start off the season. Um, I get the inkling Carmichael may not be back at all, which is, you know, that that is yet to be decided. But having Ben Lucas who, you know, he's a familiar face of the Reds. He's a he's a very reliable player. I think having him at the back in combination with John O'Lance and, and Duncan Payer kind of developing his game, they're going to have a lot of good direction. I was a bit worried when they did, even though Quaid, Quaid is an, a, a bit of a conundrum. It's it's whether you do, do you stick with him. Or kind of, did you go? Do you go in another direction? I think Brad Thorne's just just called it, and he may have kind of had an insight into Quaid being on the other end of things, um, playing for the All Blacks against Quaid when Quaid was having a bit of a feud with Richie McCaw. So I'm not sure if that kind of skewed his perception of Quaid a little bit. I'm sure, he's probably spent enough time with him at the Reds last year that he understands what Quaid's about. But he's made that call, and good on him for taking the hard line. I think if, if that works out for him, people are going to see that as a pivotal moment um, in his coaching career. So, who, who would you pick to be your sort of big up-and-coming person to make a difference in the Reds this year? 
I think I'm probably sticking with uh, Duncan Payao. I think he's got a lot of potential as well. He's, a, from what I've seen, a different style of player to John Lance. So, as we've been talking about, we, we're probably making the assumption that I certainly would, that Brad Thorne is a, is a gritty, hard work, work rate focused coach. He wants everyone to be doing their bit. It's not, there's no, there's no uh, standout star player that everyone follows. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's definitely be an integrated team, a hardworking team, every man for every other, uh, all around the field. And maybe Duncan Powers, that the, a little bit of a spark in the back line. And maybe I'd be interested to see where he fits in around John O'Lance and Ben Lucas and people like that, who, as you said, and I agree, look to be more established, more mature, steadier players. I think you need a balance of, of that type of player and then someone who's got maybe that little bit of unpredictability and someone who's given a bit more of a licence to make decisions on the field where you know they might choose to go against the run of uh, the team's play if, if they see an opening. That's kind of something that we've seen with teams previously empowering someone like Quaid. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. Duncan Power gets that licence in this, in this squad. I'm not sure, but... Be exciting to see. He's a young guy. He's got a lot of potential. So I hope he's getting an opportunity and, and doing a lot with it. Might be the new sort of X factor in that back line, maybe replacing Quaid. Toby, is anyone else you wanted to highlight in the Reds before we move on? Um, mate, I think I've already mentioned his name before, but Tom and Thor, who apparently the media gave him that name, it's not he's he's never been called by that. He was called the Runaway Rhino, I think, at some point. <laughs> during his high school career, but we've seen these highlight reels of him. I'm not necessarily sure, you know, he's going to be able to pull that off consistently in Super Rugby. I've seen him do it a couple of times. I think I saw him throw Liam Messam off him when he was hitting it up. But, yeah, he's he's got so much potential. I just hope he can stay fit, stay focused, and amid all this kind of the things and transitions going on at the Reds that he can really step it up and and be a, you know, a consistent wallaby going forward. I think, he, yeah, he'd be the one to watch for me. All right, um, let's move down and have a look at the Waratahs. I mean, it's all of our three probably favourite teams, one we've followed most closely. Uh, I remember going back to games back in sort of when it was still Super 12, going and watching the Waratahs. Yeah, I think 98. And, yeah, is that when we started? God. 20 years ago. Oh, that's a long time. Um, but obviously a lot of changes, a lot of changes in that time. We've seen sort of Checker come through and create a bit of a change in culture there and Daryl Gibson sort of try and pick up the same reins but as a sort of a different sort of looking coach. So let's move on and have a look at the Waratahs. Uh, let's have a look a bit more at their forward pack that's going through. So it looks like their props haven't really changed too much. They've got their sort of starting front rows still from last year. They've got Sakopi Kepu and Tom Robinson in there, uh, back, backed up by some of the likes of Pat, Paddy Ryan, Patrick Ryan, whatever you'd like to call him, who's been around Patrick for Ryan. a number of years. Uh, I can't see really too many people that I'm looking at that are going to really be breaking through here. I think I think that's going to be a very stable front row as it's been for a number number of years. That's backed up in the hookers by sort of Tolu Latu, who I really hope can have a bit more of a run of health this year and get put a full season under his belt. We've seen what he can do when he is healthy. 
He's a really sort of expansive player and offers quite a lot in broken play as well and back, backed up by uh, people that we've seen before in the likes of Damien Fitzpatrick, who I believe is uh, captaining the Waratahs in their trial game versus the Highlanders uh, later this week, and uh, Hugh Roach, the mini mini hooper. Moving on to the locks, they've got a bit of a change. They've lost, lost Dean Mum, lost Will Skelton, which were really sort of the heart of that position for the Waratahs last year. Dave McDoolan's also left. And they've got a whole bunch of new names. You've got uh, Rob Simmons coming down from the Reds uh, and Tom Staniforth coming up from the Brumbies. Not really hugely big signings. Rob Simmons obviously been a Wallaby, been pretty steady in that state for a while, so hopefully he'll offer a bit of help in the line-out for, for the Waratahs, you'd think. Uh, Rob Simmons. Rob Simmons makes me worry because when Rob Simmons when he's in the line out sure but when he's when he's that guy who's you know the forward coming through at first receiver or taking a short pass at second receiver you know that you're just you're about to face the opposition's scrum because he's going to put it down <laughs> or you know when you're trying to put in a gritty defense 30 meters out trying to keep them from getting into a good field goal range and trying not to give away a penalty at the end of a game Someone's going to fall across the ruck and you're going to see it's number four or five, whatever he wears on this team. He keeps changing, so it's hard to keep track of him. But it's always Rob. And that's that's what worries me is that Rob, Rob Simmons, I don't feel like he has the discipline that you want in a senior leader. I feel like he gives away silly penalties. And I, I, I don't know why. It, it frustrates me for the Wallabies as much as any other team he's played in. So I, I hope that that's what... Uh, Daryl Gibson's gonna tell him to, to control in his game because he's a leader in this in this group of locks. He's, he needs to teach them how to keep their discipline and, and play hard and get around the park and not not infringe and, and you know take enough care. I think I think the guy is gonna be good to sort of bring through. I mean, we talk about the lineup. Yeah, that's gonna be a big part of him mentoring these young guys, but. Look, if you're worried about him, would you be per- prefer to put someone in like Lachlan Swinton, an absolute debutante coming up from New South Wales country? No, you want to put Rob Simmons, who has the experience in. Yeah, well, he's a good building block if you have him there every week and he can build kind of a partnership with someone else, perhaps Tom Staniforth, I'm not too sure. I mean, losing Dean Mum and Will Skelton are pretty big losses, to be honest. And Will Skelton had been winding his... His form had been winding down a little bit. I haven't been following him much with Saracens, but, yeah, look, having that kind of big body around, we're going to miss that. We don't have the Jacques Potgitas anymore. We don't have we don't have those other guys that are going to really hit it up like they did under Checker. So I think, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a bit of a development season for the Locks in New South Wales. Well, I guess, are we going to see another situation develop like that of Dean Mum moving from six into lock? I mean, moving into the back row, you have people like Ned Hannigan there. Would he be able to come in and play a bit of a versatile lock? Yeah, I think he can. I think he can do what Dave Dennis did a few years ago, or even, I can't even remember when he left now, but, yeah, bringing someone in that's a little bit perhaps undersized in terms of height, um, but can still scrummage consistently can still um, into jump. that that lock position. Is in, it, it can work out. It can make you quite 
mobile around the field and add to your back row in terms of, you know, pilfering and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see whether Ned can do that. And I guess then that sort of opens up a bit of space for Jack Dempsey as well to get a role at six rather than having two sixes where we're going to have to play one off the bench. Yeah, definitely. You've got a lot of options in this back row because you're obviously going to play the Waratahs and Wallabies captain Michael Hooper. You would imagine Jed Holloway is going to bring that bulk to number eight. If you're trying to fight Jack Dempsey and Ned Hannigan, well, they've both played Wallabies. They've both held their place in the Wallabies. You would you would like to have them both on the field. How do you do that? I think saying Ned Hannigan potentially spend some time at lock. I think that's that's a sensible move. At least see how it goes. It's, it's not an unfamiliar position. And then you've got a bunch of young guys who will be competing for the scraps of that position. You've got uh, room on the bench for probably only one of them. So a, a good bit of competition there, and a lot of good leaders and, and good mentors to learn from. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it before, Jed Holloway is the person we'd always want to see at eight. He's a big-bodied guy who's had a bit of a difficulty. In, yeah, Toby, I know you love him, don't you? Jed, oh, Jed, I can just say so much about you. But, yeah, I mean, he he's an amazing player when he's fit. He was just scoring tries at, at the start of last season, I think it was. Was it last season? Uh, it was so, yeah. two seasons ago he was really having a good run and coming on and just two years ago, yeah. scoring breakaway tries. He, he went on a run and he was just scoring at will, you know, and not even not even from 10 out. He was running from 30, 40 metres out and mm. scoring. So he's, he's a great player and he's a leader. He's captain Southern Districts, I think, in the shoot shield for a number of years now. He can even slot into lock. He does play lock at club level at times. So... Big guy, you know, I think he's 6'4", 115, 120 kilos. So he's going to give us some go forward, which I think is, is very important, seeing as though we've lost guys like Skelton. Yeah, so hopefully we'll see some sort of combination. I mean, if we do see him move into a lock position, potentially, you could then say, I think Jack Dempsey could play a bit of eight by himself when he's back to full fitness. But let's see. Let's see what they do sort of moving forward. How about looking at the backs? I mean, we've got a lot more sort of wallabies looking through here. Leo, what do you see? I see two scrum halves, and I see one that I really want to see a lot more of, which is Jake Gordon. Flash. Uh, obviously, ah. Nick, Nick Phillips, that's not Phillips, Nick Phipps has been You don't even wallaby, know his name. A Waratah for a long time. Nick Phipps, I think he's, he's the highlight reel is... is uh, is mostly cover defence, which hopefully we need less of in a successful season. But he, he's, a, he's a solid player, but he doesn't excite me. I think Jake Gordon is a really interesting guy uh, to have in that in that mix with all those uh, wallabies, and and that's someone I. I it's going to be another contest. Like there's so many good sort of one-on-one contests. There's one one scrum half, and these guys are both playing at such a high level. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who, who nails that spot. We'll be uh, pairing with Bernard Foley, you would expect. Flash. Ah. That's Flash Gordon. What do you call Bernard Foley? The Smurf. His I don't know. He's brother. really small. Fair Does Flash Gordon have a brother? No, Ber- Bernard Foley in it, fly half. He's a... Uh, well, what 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 do you need to say really beyond that? He's the Wallabies fly half. He's a great goal kicker. He's a great uh, general around the field. 
I'm sure he's got the respect of these guys. He, he's played with it at multiple different levels, all the way up to the Wallabies, and he's he's led the team when they when they won in 2014. So he's bringing all of that, and it's all about then who you surround him with. You've got Curly Beal coming back, which yes. is which is great. Great to see. Uh, unfortunately, losing Rob Horn, who brings you know has been there for a long time, was a really useful utility, really flexible, and and also losing David Horowitz. But in in doing so, you're picking up backs like Curtis Rona, who's a pretty exciting guy who's come across from the force, and Alex Newsom also from the force. There's a definitely bringing in Curtis Rona at 13. He's a hard ball runner. He's a big bloke, and I think he's going to be keen to impress. He can offload. He can. He's a try scorer as well. Like I think he was a leading try scorer in the NRL one year, uh, a couple of few years ago. So he's he's definitely. Someone who we're going to be seeing a lot more of. 1.94 metres, 102 kilos. That's a, that's a big man to be yeah, having like, running through the centres. That's very handy, saying when you've got Curtly Beal, who's not a big, big guy, and his defence has improved a lot in the last couple of seasons, particularly while he was away. I think he's, he's really worked on that. And Bernard Foley, really dogged defender, but not a big body. We need a big body supporting these guys, whether it's two-man tackles or just wearing out the opposition's defence so that our playmakers can, can take on some tired legs. I mean, you said it. He's the same size, I think, as Tavita Kurandrani. So you need you need those big guys, those big defenders in the 13 channel, and I think he can provide that. And even if he slots out onto the wing, which he may at some point, um, you know... He's a finisher as well, so he's got a lot of different aspects to his game. And then finally to finish with the with the wingers and the fullback, a game probably a bit spoiled for choice in, in the developing guys coming through. Falau, you would imagine, continues to play at fullback. He's just so dominant there. He's so reliable. He's safe. Why would you change that? That's that's my opinion, but I think we're all pretty similar in that. And, and again, bringing Curtis Rona in also makes me think that they're not worried about putting Falau into 13 anymore. And then you've got a whole group of guys who've, who've got a lot of speed and then you, and even uh, you could say is bringing some bulk and speed, speed bulk, if you will, uh, with Kellaway and Clark also out there with a lot of pace and a lot of flexibility, really. Kellaway, Kellaway can play in a couple of different positions. I believe Cameron Clark's mainly a winger. Yeah, I think also. he can as well. Yeah, the, 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 there's some flexibility there. I think this. I think that lineup is uh, the, the outside backs. I think there's potential where they where they will pick a lineup depending on the opposition. I don't think they'll want to change it a lot, but I think there will be times when they will elect to pick a quicker outside three or back three, and, and other times when they're not so worried about all out and out pace and they're more interested in another another wide playmaker or just just a um, a matchup of an Ivoro on a smaller winger. Yeah, definitely. Ten Kelly is is a hard one to kind of make up your mind about because he can have amazing games and then, you know, say the next week come out and not do much and go missing in defence and his fitness maybe has been an issue at times in terms of playing those full games. But he's a you know amazing player when he's on song. So Hoping he can bounce back to the form he's, he's been in maybe a year or two ago, particularly again under Michael Checker, where he came through. So hopefully Daryl can get him going again. 
Hashtag speed bulk. <laughs> speed bulk. All right, so let's put our put our name on a few players. Who do we think is going to be a big big one to keep our eye on? Who's going to change the change the course of the Waratahs season this year? Toby, what do you reckon? Mate, you know who I'm going to go for before I even say it. Um, I'm going Jed. He's. I think he'll he could be potentially into the Wallabies if he has a good season. I think Checker would have probably wanted him there earlier, last year even, but his injuries have got in the way. So I think at the moment it sounds like he's healthy. Um, he's going to be a massive plus for that forward pack if he can just play week to week and stay on the pitch. I really think he's going to have a big year. Leo, who do you reckon? I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Jack Dempsey come back. Horrible to see him get injured before the spring tour last year. That was that was really gut-wrenching. I was at that Barbarians game and I just that felt terrible. So particularly excited for him. But I think Curtis Rohn is going to really reshape the, the back line, not as a not as a key attacking player so much who's just going to get fed a lot of ball. I just think he, he brings a different uh, figure into that line. So we've got some diversity there and we now have more options. We have different styles of play where we can focus it on him to, to crash and bash through the line. And we've also got all the, the skill around him of all these wallabies. Uh, I think he's maybe may sort of the missing piece to having a really... Uh, really well-constructed backline if, if he can continue the form he had at the force coming out of rugby league. And for me, I mean, you talk about the missing piece. I think Kurtley Beal is just going to be amazing to have back in that in that backline just as a second playmaker to take, take a bit of pressure off Bernard Foley. Uh, I think maybe Bernard felt like he had to do a lot himself last year. And I think just having that extra player outside, someone to shift the ball wide to give you a bit more of a spark and speed and also another set of hands that can look for in working conjunction with someone like Israel Folau and even Curtis Rona for this year. Down to Canberra, look at the team that was at the top of the Australian Conference last year, uh, the ACT Brumbies, who again have probably a bit more stability uh, in a lot of their sort of squad. They have got a few people coming across from the force and a few few different signings, but I think they'll continue as they always have been to be a strong team. If we look at their forward pack, we've got a good stable base of props that they've had for a few years now. People like Scott Seo, you know, Wallabies incumbent, and Alan Alalatoa, who continued to get more sort of playing time with the Wallabies last year, as well as being backed up with people like Ben Alexander and Nick Mayhew. Yeah, I think... Those props are really solid. They are Ben Alexander at the end of his career, but he's still making those contributions off the bench. He's still playing solid games. I don't think he's quite up to playing for the Wallabies anymore um, because of these young guys that have come through. But, yeah, they're going to have a lot of depth there, which is great. In terms of hookers, uh, we've seen Sae Fanganga move on, come over here to play in the Premiership with London Irish. Um, so now you've got a younger contingent, and that's excluding Josh Manray, who's still there, and I think he even could start. I think he might be 36, 37 now. But they, he's just he's a hardened player, he's consistent, and I think he can probably offer those young guys a lot of tips when they're coming through. So you'll probably see Robbie Abel and Falau Fanger, um, as well as Manray, maybe move through that starting position. I'm not sure that's quite set in stone at the moment. 
is Falafanga related to Saya? Is there is there like another set of brothers so, and twins and triplets in that family? Mate, it's probably a cousin. I'm not Second sure. Cousin just, or something, yeah. Yeah. I'm not disappointed to see Saya move on. To be mm. honest, um, I'd rather have Falau. And if he's anything like Israel Falau in the hooker position, that would be pretty amazing. So, yeah, let's hope he goes well. All right, let's have a look at the locks and where we saw a bit of a lack in depth in locks in Waratahs, we see a bit more of a plethora, really. You have uh, the starters from last year, Rory Arnold and Sam Carter, remain. Uh, They've actually brought Rory's brother over, Richie Arnold, who I could never tell the difference. I think if they're going to be running around together on the field, they're going to look like two of the exact same person, Uh, as well as they've got Blake Enver down there, who's also one of the sort of Wallaby bolters last year, so lots of depth there. You'd think that that forms a really solid sort of spine to their their scrum and their forward pack. I, I think they're rubbing it in the Waratahs' face. I think they're down the road with all their locks, having a party, looking at us and laughing. Because if they were if they were thinking on a Wallabies level, they'd be sharing. But uh, I think they've definitely got the wood on the Waratahs, and probably I think I think they've probably got the wood on most of the uh, other Australian teams or in our conference at least with, with that lineup. Mm. Unfortunately, they're not going to be able to get them all on the field unless they start doing the reverse to what we talked about the Waratahs and turning locks into back rowers, which I don't think they need to do either. So, um, look, plenty of, plenty of depth, which is, which is great. If, if there's any injuries there, they can work those guys pretty hard. Um, if there's an injury, they've got a really, a really good amount of depth for step up. And or for that matter, they can rotate guys in and out if there's uh, workload issues or a lot of travel. Uh, it's going to be really helpful to them to have a really solid base in the middle of that pack. Yeah, well, you talk about moving any of them into the back row. I don't think you need to worry about any sort of the back row. When you look at who the Brumbies have, they have... Well, first off, I want to make mention David Pocock. He's come back. He's come back from a year off from sabbatical. Uh, he, he's looking good, he's looking fit I've seen a picture of him in training uh, so I think he's really ready to get in there and get stuck into back into Super Rugby well I hope so at least in terms of other players they've brought back in uh, a couple of they've let go a couple of players in terms of Jordan Smiler and Scott Fardy and Chris Alcock who sort of were those guys that had been hovering around the Super System for many years and they've got one guy who I saw play a fair bit in the NRC in Rob Valentini uh, playing for the Canberra Vikings last year that I was really impressed with his work rate and the big hits he's sort of putting on. Um, so I really hope to see a little bit more of him in six. Uh, and then at, at the number eight, they've got uh, the big man Issa Naisarani coming over from the force to give them a bit of bit more strength and a bit more size, I think. Yeah, definitely not lacking... In the, in the back row, maybe not the same depth as in the locks, but they're very solid, all the same. Yeah, so as long as they have health, that'll be good. And let's have a look at the back line. Toby, tell me what you think would be the ideal Br- Brumbies back line this year. Mate, I think, yeah, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? They're, Thomas Cabelli's moved on at scrum half, um, so is Dewet Ruse. So you've got Ryan Lonigan and you've got Matt Lucas who's come down from the Waratahs and then obviously Joe Powell is the incumbent there um, after Cabelli went down. So I think Powell will start and probably have Matt Lucas backing up 
um, which is pretty solid, to be honest. Matt Lucas has potential. He's not a big guy, but he's still a rugged defender, and he, he plays above his weight. So I think that's pretty good in terms of scrum half, and I think Joe Powell will, will continue to develop pretty strongly. Um, you've got also Christian Lelefano coming back, which is a huge story. He was signed with Ulster, I think, over the, the Australian off-season, played a few games with them. They put it, uh, faith in him, even though he's just come back from from battling cancer, so that's a great story there. And it looks like he's back on track to, to be playing in that starting lineup. So I think you'll still see how where I start at 10. And then it'll probably be a battle between Christian and Cole Godwin in, at that 12 position. Um, you've got Andrew Smith and Tavita Kurandrani, as well as Jordan Jackson Hope, um, that could play 13. I think you'll see Jackson Hope probably come off the bench again and Tavita will be staying at the 13 position. He's going to have a lock on that, I think. His form's been pretty good the last, say, six months or so. So, you know, pretty pretty good backline in terms of those inside backs. Uh, the outside, um, what do you think, Leo? Do you think... Henry Spate, we know exactly what he's bringing to that, to that outside deep three. Uh, Again, a player who has so much skill, so much speed, uh, and I think the decision making has been improving, which is yeah. which is really positive. That's 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 the thing which is, has always had uh, a, a tendency to come up very quickly, which may be a system thing. They had Stephen Larkham there uh, as the head coach last year. He's moved on, but if the system was to to rush up and try and compress the opposition's attack and, and, and choke it off before it got wide. Team Teams seem to have figured them out. So that maybe it's a system, maybe it's a player, but hopefully he's um, he, he plays to the system this year. I, I'm interested in seeing what happens now that uh, Aiden Toa uh, is gone. So yeah. I was never super impressed with Toa. He's another s- consistent player, but probably didn't bring a lot of excitement. Uh, so, yeah, well, who do you think is going to come in at fullback? I think we've seen Tom Banks uh, really get onto the scene. He's, got, he's definitely got a lot of pace and a lot of skill. He really put his stamp in the NRC last year and then I think in a lot of the Brumbies games as well. So, I mean, for me, the back three I'd like to see, I'd like to see Henry Spate and Chance Penny who's come over from the force on the wings. I think he's also a player that has a lot of excitement. I always enjoyed watching him with Tom Banks at fullback. I don't know if you guys would really see anyone different that they'd want to put in. No, I think Tom Banks is going to be a huge player for them this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in the Wallabies setup. Um, coming off the bench, maybe for the Wallabies towards the end of the year, he is electric and he's got all the skills. He's, I think people have been comparing him a bit to a Joe Roth. So he's you know, held in high regard down there in Canberra and he's, he's had terrific form throughout the NRC. And also last year, he was, when he came onto the scene, he, he, he was just looked comfortable straight away, which is, is great to see. So I think, yeah, the, the Brumbies overall have a pretty good backline. And, yeah, a bit of consistency there with selections. I think you'll see a lot of the, the same backline coming out, I think, week to week, which is great. One other thing to note, I guess, is Stephen Larkham has moved on from the coaching of the Brumbies. He's now full-time as an assistant Wallabies coach. And they've brought in uh, Dan McKellar, who was the assistant last year. So you would expect the same system, but we'll see if that has any sort of change on their backline tactics. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
I think we're going to look at up-and-coming players. For me, Issa Nayasarani, if I can even say the name. Issa Nayasarani looks amazing. He was at the force. Um, and he's been... He's just... Yeah, he's a ball carrier. He's a hard runner, hard defender. Again, at that sixth position where we've lacked a little bit of depth, I think, since Scott Fardy has moved on. So I think that's a really, really important addition for the Brumbies. And, it's yeah, I would have loved to see him even at the Waratahs. But, you know, they stole another good player. Um, and having having in him in combination with David Pocock is going to be amazing. Leo, who, who's your player you reckon is going to be big for the Brumbies this year? I've gone, I've gone with a player who's surrounded by talent, but I think it's going to be one who emerges and, and I would expect to see in the starting lineup week to week by mid-season, and that's Blake Enever. So Sam Carter seems to be on the outer. He's not been favoured for the Wallabies in recent times. With with the competition coming in around him, he might he might lift and, and look to to hold his his spot in the Brumbies and, and make a resurgence toward the the Wallabies later in the season. But uh, and Richie and Rory Arnold, I, I haven't seen a lot of Richie, but I, I get exactly what you what you've said. I've said that on the field the the mentality and the and the presence is, is very similar on both those guys, not just how they look. Uh, but I think Blake Enneber is even though he's not as tall as his as his fellow locks, he's he's at least uh, he's, he's four, five, six centimeters shorter than, than almost all of them. Uh, but he's bringing significant bulk and he's bringing a real uh, sort of fierceness in defence, which is is something that maybe those guys who are a bit older may not. Uh, well, may appreciate to have next to them. To be honest, you you can't have everyone doing the same job. So, Blake Anover bringing that that grit in a in defence and and probably having a few um, big runs through the middle at some point, hopefully. Yeah, and for me, I mean, I always I already talked a bit about Valentini in the back row. I'm looking to see a big sort of step forward from him, and uh, also, as I said, Chance Penny is a real sort of excitement machine. I really want to see him break away in, in through the backs. But look, let's move on. I think the Rebels are the last team we really need to talk about and they've probably had the most change. We've seen the most sort of force players come over. Even the force coach and Dave West will sort of come over and bring a lot of the majority of his squad with him. Look, what do we think is going to come out of the Rebels this year? What can we expect from them? Uh, I think let's go again. Toby, what do you reckon with the forward pack? Uh, I think they're going to be really strong. Mate, there's, yeah... There's a lot going on here, I guess, generally with the Rebels. And as, as I mentioned before, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the force were building and they've their, their coaches come over to the Rebels. They've brought a lot of uh, the force team over to the Rebels. So we've got basically Tatera Faulkner, um, got Ben Daly that's come in, um, and Laurie Weeks has probably been one of the stalwarts in the, the Rebels pack for a while now. I'm not super keen on their their props in a lot of ways, but they'll get the job done. They're solid set piecemen, and I think you know where where I'm keen to see someone step up again is Jordan Ulysses take it to the next level at hooker position. Um, you've got Anaru Rangi um, supporting him, but yeah, I, I'll see. I'd say sorry that Jordan Ulysses will will get that starting role. Um, we mentioned I think briefly before. The locks at the the rebels now they've got they've got a lot of them they've got a lot going on there 
they brought Matt Phillip and Adam Coleman over from, from the force. Um, Jeff Parling's come in from England. Um, boys, do you have any thoughts on these guys? Did you say they've got a lot going on there? Mate, I wish I said that. Maybe I did. Oh, I thought was that was very clever. I thought that was genius, but okay, maybe I missed that. <laughs> no, I think. There's a lot going on. There's a lot that there's a lot going on. Yeah. No, I think, I think I mean, you'll see a complete fourth second row there. I think, I don't know if they would go past Adam Coleman, Matt Phillips starting for them. Obviously, they've got Jeff Parling, who's probably a little, feeling a little bit despondent since he signed his contract before the force disappeared and suddenly it was immersed with all these other yeah. wallabies in there. Um, but yeah, I can't see them going past that. Um, but yeah, anyway, onto flankers, onto the back row. We've got a pretty good contingent here as well. I think. One of the, yeah, look, I'm looking at, at the number eights here. Amani, Amanenaki, Mafi, I can't even pronounce his name. Amanaki Mafi. Amanaki Mafi uh, has been kind of listed with Lepetti Tamani in the number eight position, which is just, yeah, that's, you'd love to have that at any club. Both amazing, dynamic players. You know, Lepetti has been playing second row a lot for the Rebels, um, but I think. He's probably better in that back row spot where he can play a bit looser. Boys, I think, Archie, you're a massive Murphy fan. Um, you said it a couple of years ago when he was making runs, but he's really coming to the spotlight now. I think he must have been... Well, he was in contention of sort of Super Player of the Year, I think, last year. He was doing some amazing things. I think you put those two together, like Lepetti in at six, Murphy in at eight, and then you have sort of the workhorse in, like, Colby Fanger. Uh, in in at seven, I think that's a, a really strong back row. I think that's something that could challenge probably most sort of super teams really, with in terms of physicality and in terms of almost versatility in ball running as well. Yeah, well, you've got Richard Hardwick there as well, so I think there's almost going to be too many players and enough spots. And guys like Geordie Reed, who have been around for a number of years now, Ross Haylett Petty, who can play lock as well, but I think they fancy him maybe as more of a a taller six, maybe more like a Dean Mum kind of mould there. Um, so yeah, there's going to be it's going to be hotly contested to get a starting spot at the Rebels in the in the back row. Mm. And I think that's going to be the way all the way through because if we start to look at the backs, I mean, I'm just seeing so many names. Leo, who do you think's going to who's going to be the backs here? If I'm picking a lineup, I think Genia is Genia is going to come in and and I would imagine take take the starting role. I, I don't mind Sturzaker. I think he's done a lot of good things, but I think Genny is, um, is the one who's going to come in and, and just eat up that starting role. We'll see what happens. Ruru's, Ruru's showed potential as well, so there's some contest there for the reserves. And then you've got uh, the, the, the way we see them listed in our in our breakdown of position, I, I think some of these are in the wrong spot, to be honest. But between the, the inside backs, if they're 10 and 12... Debrasini's been there. Reese Hodges been there. They've got Dave Horwitz coming from yeah. Waratahs, who, who again isn't the most flashy player, but I think had had some solid games for the Waratahs and is still developing. But Meeks, we know a bit about from the Force. He's also a, an interesting player. Uh, that that inside group, there's a lot of competition there. Reese Hodges obviously will, will be in there somewhere. Uh, I've heard I've heard people talking about him. At times, more like a ten. I, I think I still see him in that centre channel. Yeah, well, I think to be honest, people have also mentioned that he he could be the next thirteen because he's a good defender. And he's a, he's quite a big guy. Like he looks rangy, 
but he's got a bit of weight to him still. He, his, his pins are quite quite slim. He's got a good lever on that. But yeah, you've got Dave Horowitz at twelve. Bill Meeks could play twelve. Reese Hodge could play twelve. Like they've got a lot of options there. The thing that confused me was Jack Debrasini coming back because they did. I, I believe they were letting him go, and then he seems to popped up again once. John Lance kind of touched down in Brisbane. Yeah, so, I. I thought he'd gone as well. I thought they were putting their faith more in, was it Jack McGregor or Taylor Adams? I'm sure it could have been Taylor Adams, actually, that I'm thinking of, um, into that um, number 10 slot because they've let Jackson Garden Bashup go, who you guys know I'm not a massive fan of, but he's gone over to the Hurricanes. He's wobbled his pot belly back. (laughs) Yeah, back to the Wellington. He's got the name Bashup, and that got him so far, but, like, come on, guys. Like, honestly, he was pretty average, to be honest. Um, yeah, 10 will be interesting. There's going to be a few battles there. I'm not sure who's going to end up starting. You could see potentially Reese Hodge come in there if, if they do have some problems. Yeah, so I think it's going to be a battle all the way through. It'll be interesting to see if, I mean, under Dave Wessels, you'd think the guys coming over from the force might know that the system might have a bit of a leg up into a starting thing, but we won't know till they announce sort of their starting role. But, I mean, you're looking from there and then you're looking at the outside backs and, again, you're seeing a wealth of sort of talent from the... You would think their informed sort of stalwart, perfect lineup in terms of wings. They've got Sefa and they've got Korobiti sort of on those sides. I mean, that's backed up with people like Tom English and Henry Hutchinson, who's come over from the sevens, but I can't really see them touching those two at the wings. Dane Haller-Petty is such a, such a solid player at the back to have wingers exciting quick wingers outside him like these guys I can see them carving up so many of these other super teams uh, I, I'm interested in uh, what they do with Henry Hutchinson I, I don't see him beating people out for a wing spot early on he's he, being a sevens player he's got a range of skills uh, he's one that maybe maybe ends up sliding back inside into the backs uh, and then, yeah, Tom English has been there last year as well and, and had some opportunity. So, look, the starting lineup looks pretty solid, and there's plenty, plenty to look at coming off the bench. But I don't, yeah, we, we think that we know we know what the back three is going to look like. They're, they're going to look good. They're going to be a hot team, and I, I think we're going to talk about in a little bit who we're picking to win the Australian Conference um, after we touch on the Sunwolves. But the Rebels are looking in good shape. I'm pretty optimistic about how they're going to perform. Have you guys got a player you're keeping an eye on? Do you think it's going to be big for them? Mate, I keep probably I keep you know, geeing these people up and talking them up before I even get to the person I'm picking. But Jordan Ulysses is the one for me again. In the same way that Tongan Thor has that ability to run the ball, he's a big, strong lad. Jordan Ulysses will be looking to... to to perhaps even nail down the starting spot for the Wallabies if he can over Tolu Latu. It'll be, yeah, it's going to be a big year for him, I think. He's going to be a leader in that pack, even though he's he's quite young still. But, yeah, he's a dynamic player, and I, I can't wait to watch him, actually. And then I would say Henry Hutchinson is my... Maybe he's not a, uh, a big bolter potential boom player. I'm just very... I'm, I'm very curious in how they will work him in. I think he's got a lot of different skills and from sevens where you need all those skills and you're, you're a bit more of a jack of all, 
I think he's he's going to have to look to try and take a position in the inside or the outside group and what they will try and it'll be interesting to see what they try and get him to focus on and it only takes you know a, an unfortunate injury to one of these real stars in the back line to, to let a guy like that in and I'll, I'll be excited to see what he can do on the field when he when he hits the full 15 man game yeah I think he he could be a bit of a utility player off the bench and just that really electric guy to come on with 15 to 20 to go and just burn people because he's quick and he knows how to finish. He scores tries like no one else, really. Mm, I was going to say I've seen him score a lot of the tries in the Sevens tournament. But for me and myself, I, I just can't go past seeing Korobiti. Uh We saw him blast onto the scene last year, blast onto the Wallabies scene, just making huge hits, just burning people with pace and running over people. So I really yeah, just... He does everything. I want to see more of the same this year. That's what I want to really see. Uh I guess since the Sunwolves are in our conference, we should mention them. I don't think any of us are really expecting too much in terms of what we're going to see. Uh, I've seen a bit of their lineup. There, look, they're going to be bolstered. They've got Michael Leach, sort of Japanese international, coming back from the Chiefs, which will be nice. Uh, it's a bit of sort of a leadership role. The only other player that I yeah. saw on their sort of squad, which I don't know if you guys remember him, I just saw the name and I went and looked up a few videos. Um, Robbie Robinson. Do you guys remember him? Yeah, that guy's good. Yeah, so I was looking looking back to the Chiefs-Brumbies final back in, like, 2013, I believe, and he sort of come off the bench just with out-and-out pace from full-back, and he scored sort of the game, the match-winning try and things. So it's good to see they're getting a few sort of more more of those international sort of recruits and things to try and give a bit of strength to that team. But I think think we can all agree they're probably in line to sort of underwhelm uh, this year, and you'd expect them to finish bottom. I think you're right. I think, look, they'd be nice if they, they did step it up and they, they had a bit of success leading into the World Cup next year just to, to get that local interest. I'm not sure they'll need it, really, to get the local interest going in rugby. But, yeah, having having a super rugby team in Japan that's relatively strong, I think, would benefit the competition. Um, in terms of Australian guys over there, you've got Sam Wikes in at second row, who's kind of um, was there last year. Um, Good very player. durable. Good player. He's a good player. He's, I mean, he's he's durable. He doesn't he doesn't do a whole lot in terms of being an exciting guy. But I mean, not many locks do. Um, someone else there is Ed Quirk, who was pretty solid. The Reds, I actually didn't mind him. Um, bit in that Scott Higginbotham kind of mould, where he can carry the ball off the back of a scrum. He can play six. He can go on the line out. So he's an interesting player to watch as well. Uh, but yeah, to be honest, there's not a huge amount of guys that are recognised in that lineup. So I think we'll see how they how they kind of come together during the season. We can have a, maybe chat about them once there's been a few weeks of Super Rugby. Interestingly, they've uh, they actually have the Summers have the same coach and assistant as the Japanese side. So yeah, we, we do kind Joseph. of look at them like a, like a another iteration of a Japanese team. They've actually got the same coaches there, so supplementing yeah. what is most, what is a lot of their international reps with with a few uh, Australian, New Zealand, and South African dual, or well, not dual internationals, but um, but dual citizens who uh, integrate yeah. pretty well with their team. These guys aren't just going over there to, to add some bulk. They're actually, you know, they've been there for a long time. They've they've lived and and 
being part of the Japanese culture over there as well. So they're they're they're, they're a pretty united team, I guess. They're, they're they'll be looking to try and beat their record last year, which was a mere two wins out of fifteen games. Yeah, I mean, for the sake of the whole Australian conference, I think it'd be good to have a bit more competition in that. And so I do hope that they are a bit more of a opposition and provide a bit more sort of difficulty against them. Uh, but I can't really see them getting many more wins, maybe three, maybe four, but that'd probably be the, the ceiling unless something really sort of astounding happens up there in Japan. Now we've gone through the whole Australian conference. Uh, I reckon we should know enough to you know put, put your name on someone. Who do we think is going to win? What do you reckon? Leo, Leo, give me your Super Rugby winner of the Australian Conference for 2018. Look, I can't go past the Brumbies. I'm a Waratahs fan at heart, but the Brumbies have done it since 2013. They've made all those final series. They've got a lot of stability in that squad and and the coaching staff, even with Stephen Larkin moving on out of that system, is, is still a lot of familiar faces. So I think between them... And their, and their history, and, and they play so well at home, I think they're still going to be the team to beat in the Australian Conference. What about you, Toby? You reckon Brumby's going to top it? No, mate, I'm, I might sound like a bit of a, a fanboy here of the Waratahs, but I'm going the Waratahs. I think they can bounce back. I think Daryl Gibson's got a lot to prove this year. He's been given a lifeline when a lot of people thought he should have been. Last year should have been his last year. Um, Waratahs were very poor last year, and I think they're gonna they're gonna improve a lot. They've got Curly Bill back in the back, so that's gonna help. I think their forward pack, their back row can come together. Hooper will be there, but if Jed can play with Jack Dempsey, got Ned Hannigan, Rob Simmons, and their front row is very solid as well. So I think they're gonna get the job done in the end. It's gonna be tight though. There's a, there's a few teams that I think could do it this year. And well, I want to pick a fairy tale story, so I, re- I reckon the Rebels might be able to pull it out. They've gone from one win last year, and I think they were were they bottom of the table completely last year. Absolutely uh, rock bottom. One win, one draw, thirteen losses. So I reckon. I reckon the Kings were long way. They can only go up. Exactly. They can only go up. No, I think I think you're going to see a completely new team, a completely new style of play, and I reckon they're going to go and challenge a lot of different teams. And I think the Australian the Australian Conference is really it's probably theirs for the taking. Really, if they put together a strong start to the season, I reckon they can yeah come out on top. I don't know if it's there for the taking, Arch. I I, I have my own prediction, and I reckon two of our five teams will have winning seasons. And I don't think the Waratahs... I think the Waratahs break even. I think 8-8 eight and eight with the rising Rebels, the Rebel Force, if you will, and the, the Brumbies, I've, I've got them down for 11 games. I think I think they're going to be the ones to beat. So the predictions there, they are. I'm not sure I agree with you with the Waratahs. I think they'll be better than even. But under Darrell Gibson, you don't really know. It's, it is a, a very... There's going to be a lot of pressure there in Sydney... Um, there'll be pressure to get the crowds in, I think. They'll be looking to play some entertaining rugby. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be a very interesting season all round. Remembering the Waratahs in the schedule, uh, one of only two teams to go to Argentina, to South Africa, to New Zealand, to Japan in their season. So they have a yeah. lot of travelling, which is part of why they, I've got them breaking even at 8-8. Eight and eight. And to be fair, I've got the Rebels going 8-1-7. and seven. So they're only beating them by a draw instead of a loss. 
Yeah, look, I'm not ha- unhappy with you saying the Rebels are going to come out ahead of the Waratahs. That could definitely happen. Look at like just looking at their roster, whether they can get it together. I don't know. I think the Waratahs you're a little bit unhappy, have... but that's okay. Well, mate, look, the Waratahs have the combinations, and I think that will play a part. They've played together for a number of years. These guys, they're familiar with Daryl. Like, even though he may not have had a good year coaching the team last year, there is some you know familiar faces in that setup. And I think the Rebels will take a, maybe a little bit of time to get going, but we'll see. OK. Well, I mean, there's not a huge much more we need to talk about at the moment. Uh, there's been a lot going on in sort of the international rugby world, and we've had the Sydney Sevens just come through this last weekend, which we had some a bit of good news in Australian rugby, really, with the men's and women's sort of going through and both, both, winning, uh, both winning the men's and women's competition, which I... Don't think, I can't remember that ever sort of happening before, at least in the Sydney things, um, if not any of the sort of the sevens competitions. Uh, the women's were looking extremely strong. They didn't even concede a point throughout their whole sort of competition. And we saw both of those teams sort of take on the, their all-black or New Zealand counterparts and win, which is a really sort of good and encouraging thing to see from them. Now uh, on to the Brisbane 10s, which is coming up, which I can't say I've heard a lot really been advertised about it. Have you guys really been hearing much? I've seen it on social back. media. But yeah. yeah. I hear Drew Mitchell's back. That's all I've that's heard. All, yeah, that's kind of all I care about, to be honest. I'm on board. I'm on board. I like Drew Mitchell. Yeah. So, I don't like the Waratah's jersey in that. It looks terrible. Bad jersey? Yeah, it's bad. I know they're trying to do the whole thing like they do in the... What is it? The... The rugby competition, rugby league, whatever game yeah, that is. Auckland Nines. Yeah, Auckland Nines, yeah. They're trying to do that kind one, of... One less than the Brisbane 10s. Yeah, well... 9 out of 10. With, it, with the Sevens, I'm on board with that. Sydney Sevens was pretty amazing, but Brisbane 10s I'm not so sure about, to be honest. Mm. It's a bit weird to see how Brisbane 10s really fits into the competition. I mean... I was looking today even to try and find all the squads and it's just over a week out from the competition. I can't find a list of the teams submitting their squads for it, really. Uh, We've seen a few... I think it's a bit sloppy. Mm. It's a bit sloppy. It seems like a a competition that's been pulled together with good intentions but not necessarily well organised and I'm not really sure it's going to last the test of time, but... Who knows? We'll we'll see how it goes this year and, and have a chat about it afterwards. Mm. Uh, I feel like it's still in its gimmick stage where they haven't they haven't really found the personalities to promote it. They haven't really found a place for it within the sevens and fifteens. They've got a lot of guys coming out of retirement to take part. Some some other sort of ring-ins to to create a bit of buzz, a bit of excitement. I, I don't feel like it's taken all that seriously and and. Again, my limited knowledge of the Auckland Nines in rugby league, that, that also tends to pro- project very poorly onto the, the rugby league season. So I, I don't see the, the Brisbane 10s being much of an indication on strength of, of super rugby sides. And if, if anything, it's an opportunity for some, some bolters to, to catch some headlines and, and do some exciting things and maybe give themselves a chance at, at, a, at a starting or a probably just a bench spot in their squads. I don't see it as any more than that at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you talk about there's a few people coming out of retirement. You said you mentioned Drew Mitchell. You'll also see Carlos Spencer in, in the Blues sort of playing it line up. Um, How old is Carlos Spencer? Oh, he looks very old. He's 
He's lived a life. I reckon he's like 42, 43. Good um, on him. <laughs> but gee whiz. Yeah, it's good. I think that would be probably one of the highlights of the, the, the weekend. But Drew, I've been following on social media. And, mate, he, he's doing a bit of media and stuff for Fox Sports. He's a funny bloke, but he... He's just every second kind of Instagram. He seems to be kind of having a good time. I'm not sure how fit he is. He was kind of joking about it and saying he's kind of questioning the Warriors. Saying, "Boys, don't know why you got me into this. Not sure I'm going to be able to offer much." So it's all in good fun. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he goes running around out there. The other player I saw the name just today of um, Alatini playing for the Highlanders, the former sort of All Blacks centre. Who I just re- mm. the only thing I remember from him is hearing like a highlight reel of the All Blacks and like the commentator probably Gordon Bray going Alatuni, and that's the all that's the only recollection I have. Yeah, early two thousands maybe. Yeah, so be interesting to see a few of those sort of older guys come back and come back and show yeah. what they've got, whether they still have the fitness. Yeah, we'll see. So are we gonna are we gonna make our predictions for the overall Super Rugby winner at this point? Yeah, we can definitely. We can definitely do that. Do you? Who do you think? Who do you think's gonna come out on top? Mate, I'm going. I'm pretty confident with this one. Actually, I think the Hurricanes are gonna do it. Um, I see. Obviously, the Crusaders. The Lions have been there. What is it? Two years in a row. Mm. Yeah, I think it's two years. Uh, in a row they now. didn't make the grand final. I don't believe two years ago. Okay. But yeah, they've been there and about to the Lions. But I, I think the Hurricanes just have too much talent not to get it done. The Saders will be thereabouts as well. Um, to be honest, all the New Zealand teams look pretty healthy. Um, but, yeah, I think the Lions have lost their coach over to the, the Premiership here in the UK. Um, so, for me, it's the Hurricanes. Bowden Barrett, Geordie Barrett go strength to strength, and I, I think they're going to carve it up. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm looking closely at the Lions, but I see what you're saying. Like they've lost their coach. The assistant coach is now the, the full-time coach. Uh, that is the team I would pick from South African Conference, naturally, to, to challenge. I'd love to see the the Haguares to go a bit harder, go a bit better. They came 10th out of 18 last year. They had yeah. they were just just short of a winning season, so... But I think that's it. with with the strength of the New Zealand Conference, none of those teams have, have dropped out. They haven't they haven't gotten stronger by gaining the strengths of one that's that's gone missing. But they were they had five teams in the top nine last year. It's it's got to be got to be uh, yeah up there with the Crusaders or the Hurricanes are just just a pretty solid outfit, well coached, very disciplined, and I think they're they're leading the the running rugby. Uh, world at the moment, they are the ones that bring the run and bring the excitement, and and that's honestly what we enjoy watching. So, if anything, hopefully some of those other teams will try and work out their their game plan and and try and send some back their way, and we'll get a bit more uh, running rugby this season. Mm, I don't think it's any surprise that yeah, we're all looking at New Zealand as sort of the team to beats, the team that everyone wants to emulate. They are running rugby in the world at the moment and they're playing some amazing running rugby well guys that pretty much wraps it up from us we've said all we really want to say it's good to finally get this started and get our opinions out there we'll be back with another episode after that first round of those south african matches to have a bit of a look at what we saw in them and preview the first of the australian games that's in a couple of weeks 
In the meantime, you can find us and like us on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or find and like us on Facebook, guys. But until then, keep on running. Run.